Hi, this is Adam, pastor of Faith Methodist Church. We're so glad you're listening to our podcast sermon this morning, um, first Sunday after after Christmas, is titled A New Name as we look ahead to a year that is before us and reflect back upon the year that is behind us. I trust that you will embrace completely and relentlessly the promise that God gives to give you a new name. Enjoy. Thank you all for your prayers and thank you in advance and presumptively for your continued prayers next week. I invite you to turn with me this morning to the prophet Isaiah again, chapter 61. We'll be reading all of chapter 61 and 62. be two complete chapters is actually not that long of a passage, but um, I think uh, God's words are far better than mine, and so I figured we'd go scripture heavy this morning. The word of our Lord from the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified, that they should build up the ruined, the ancient ruins, that they should raise up the former devastations, they should repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks, foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers, but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet, until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name, that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, 
and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night, they shall never be silent. But you who put on the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, I will not again give your grain to be food for your enemies, and foreigners shall not drink your wine for which you have labored. But those who garner it shall eat it and praise the Lord, and those who gather it shall drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, clear it of stones, lift up a signal over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your holy word. We thank you for it. We pray that you would bless us as your people to hear and receive from it what you have for us this morning. Help us, we pray. Move among us, Holy Spirit, we ask. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. What is in a name? In a name, there's a reputation. There's a character. When you hear the name of someone, you think of who they are. You think of the reputation that goes before them, the character that lies within them. In a name is a witness, a testimony of a person. In a name, there's also the image of a face. It doesn't matter how long it's been since I've seen him, when David mentions to me that Charlene... Charlotte and Dan are coming to town, I immediately picture their faces. It could have been months since I last saw their faces. But in those names, there's the carrying of a face, of faces. In a name, there is a past. What precedes the speaking of that name? What images, what memories come about as a result of hearing that name? And in a name, there's a promise, a promise of what can be expected down the road. Promise of good or of ill. We sang the hymn just a few moments ago in which in the second half of the last verse, we sang prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, which is a statement about human nature apart from the grace of God. But then there's that invitation, that request of God, that that surrendering of self to the Almighty that closes out the hymn. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. The Scriptures are embarrassingly replete with examples of apostasy 
and backsliding. And those, those examples that are given, they are also given names. I often think of Demas, one that the Apostle Paul said had left him, had shipwrecked his faith, had abandoned him to chase after what the world has to offer. After having followed Christ for such a long period of time, after becoming a missionary with the Apostle Paul, the first Christian missionary, Demas forsook his faith. There are others. Last night, Lindsay and I were driving home from dinner, and the kids were in the back of the van, and she mentioned a name that immediately evoked images of concern because I knew probably where the situation was going. A former Christian celebrity, singer-songwriter, who's seemingly abandoned faith. In that name, there's a story of sadness and brokenness, woundedness and rebellion now. I think of names of former students, in particular a former teacher at a former Christian school. I think of former campers with us at our AIM Southeast camps, the camps that I grew up in in Mississippi, the AIM camps over there. I think of the names of people who have left God, who've left their faith behind. You know, it's not how you begin the race that is the most important. It's how you finish it. It's how you end it. It's not the first half of the game that matters most, but it's how the game ends that tells the tale. I remember the wisdom of Coach Herm Edwards hearing him in the press conference. You play to win the game. I remember constantly being told as a kid that quitters never win and winners never quit. And so as we come to the end of a new year or or of an old year and welcome in a new year, I want to be very simple and very direct in my message. Don't quit. Don't quit. We find ourselves again at the tipping point from one year into another. And we typically make resolutions. We make resolutions that we know that we probably won't keep. I'm embarrassed by my reading goals that are going unmet this year. And Lindsay and the kids can tell you because of that, I've been reading ravenously throughout Advent. Trying to, and I've read a lot <laughs> during Advent. Um, I'm embarrassed when I see... Uh, when I when I see Catherine's reading list and how she's blown her goals out of the water, she's read so much more than me this year. Lindsay, the same. We typically make resolutions around this time of the year. I want to encourage you: resolve this, resolve here and now, here and now, to pursue Jesus without relent. That's a resolution you can make. And that's a resolution that you have within you, not because of how good you are or how special you are, but because of God's grace that is given to you. That is a resolution that you can make and that you can, by the grace of God and through His Holy Spirit's strength in your life, keep. But it'll take a moment like this, and it'll take 
making the best and the greatest opportunity of a moment like this to say, Lord, here and now, I resolve to pursue Jesus without relent. Nothing will sidetrack me. Nothing will slow me down. I will pursue you with every ounce of my being, and I will not quit. The prophet said, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen, and they will not shut up. I promise you this. You show up next week for Epiphany, Andrew will not shut up pushing you to Jesus. You show up in the weeks that follow throughout this coming year. You gather together as the people of God. You gather together to sing and to pray, to read scripture together, to hear from God together. I guarantee you this, I will not shut up. I will continue to speak into your life that God has been good, He has been faithful, and you can bet your life on Him. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, developed, taking from centuries of tradition in the church, he developed what became known as the covenant renewal ceremony or service. He called it the watch night. And he, throughout his ministry, throughout his life, would use that within the Methodist societies at different times of the year. But it typically became, toward the end of his life, it it became associated most especially with the time around New Year's as we're saying goodbye to a year and hello to a new one. And it was filled with the whole litany of liturgy that he walked the people through, prayers of confession and, and, and uh, prayers of repentance and scripture readings and um, uh, responsive readings all throughout it. I want to share with you just a few quick points that he shares in that covenant renewal service, the watch night. I think it's appropriate as we come to the end of a year and look toward the year that is ahead. Wesley said, Christ is Savior to those who are His true servants. He is the source of all salvation to those who obey. To be His servant is to to consent fully to His will. Christ accepts nothing less. Christ will be all in all or He will be nothing. Now confirm this truth in holy covenant. Make it a reality in your life in these five ways. And he gives us five ways to make this covenant renewal a reality in our lives in the year ahead. First, set apart time in your day more than once to be spent alone with the Lord. Seek to perceive God's special care for you and gracious acceptance of you. Carefully think through the words of this covenant and its conditions. Examine your heart. Even if you have freely given your life to Christ, name the sins of your life. Reflect on whether you are willing to choose Christ's holy laws and strict commands. Be sure you are clear in all of these so that you do not lie to God. He's telling us very simply there, spend time daily with the Lord. Not just reading a verse or two, not just praying a quick prayer or two, but examining the scriptures and examining your life and bringing yourself under the Lordship of Jesus, confessing sins that you've committed, putting yourself under His holy leadership. 
Second, very simply, he says, uphold a serious spirit of holy awe and reverence. And as your pastor, I want to tell you, that cannot happen apart from worship. If it does happen apart from worship, it will only be fleeting. You have to gather together as God's people on a regular basis, a disciplined basis, in order to uphold a serious spirit of holy awe and reverence. Wesley said, third, claim God's covenant. Do not trust in your own strength and power, but only rely upon God's promise of giving grace and strength. In this way, he will empower you to keep your promise. You cannot live the Christian life alone, and you cannot live the Christian life in your strength alone. We need each other, and we need the grace of God in our lives, giving us strength, directing our paths. And so claim God's covenant. He has bound Himself to you in faithfulness. Live in that reality. Fourth, Wesley said, Be determined to be faithful. You have given your heart and life to God. You have opened your mouth to dedicate yourself to the Lord. With God's power, never go back to your former way of living. Lord, make me faithful as you are faithful. You never quit on me. Lord, let me never quit on you. And last, Wesley said, be prepared to renew your covenant with God. Fall on your knees. Lift your hands. Open your hearts. Isaiah the prophet promises to us the coming of a Messiah. Coming of one who would put the world back together. The coming of one who would come to earth and bring the presence and reality of heaven to it. The one who would one day return again to bring about the marriage of heaven and earth. Isaiah promises to us this Messiah who can change us and who invites us into his redemptive work in the world. He is the light of the world and he says to each of us, you now are the light of the world. Live in the light that you've been given. The prophet Isaiah invites us to the work of this Messiah through a variety of images here in chapters 61 and 62. He speaks of a crowning, the placing of a diadem. He says, a bountiful headdress instead of ashes will be yours. A beautiful headdress. Something special is happening. Some new reality is being marked. He speaks of a wedding, which seems weird. It seems weird that to, we typically associate the coming of the Messiah with Christmas, and it seems weird to think of weddings associated with Christmas. But that's exactly what the prophet Isaiah does. He talks about this wedding festival that is to happen, the beginning of a new life, a new family together. And you'll be reminded that all of human history began with a wedding A wedding in the Garden of Eden as Adam and Eve were brought together by the hand of God. And you know what? It's with a wedding that all of human history will end. The revelation of God. Those final chapters of the revelation 
speak of the marriage of heaven and earth. God coming to be with His people. The prophet speaks of a double portion of blessings, no longer cursings, no longer pain and turmoil and suffering, no longer rejection, no longer being an outcast, but instead a double portion of the Lord's blessings. Why? In order to be priests to the nations. In order to intercede on behalf of the nations. In order to enter into that redemptive work of this Messiah for the sake of the whole world. He speaks of new life sprouting up as righteousness and praise. You'll be called oaks of righteousness. This is all new creation language for the prophet. In fact, he speaks specifically about what is to happen in the earth. And he speaks specifically about the garden that's going to bear fruit. Evoking in our minds those images of creation, the Garden of Eden, and new creation. We've just passed the Christmas holiday and we're, in fact, right in the midst of the Christmas season. We're looking ahead to the new year that is before us. You know, there's nothing really magical that happens with the changing of a year. But with the changing of a year, as we try to get into the habit of writing 2019 instead of 2018. And when you make that mistake in a couple of weeks or maybe in a couple of days even on a check or any paperwork you're filling out or journal that you're keeping, you remember, your pastor said it was going to happen. It's going to happen. But that changing of one year to the next is at least for us an opportunity to, to mark and measure our days. Notice that No matter how far we get away from Jesus, His birth still haunts our calendars 2,000 years later. We still measure and mark our days according to His days. Emmanuel, God with us. No matter how hard we've tried in the modern West, it seems that we just can't get rid of Him. And that's good. The promises of God are guaranteed by the character of God. I ran across that quote this week. The promises of God are guaranteed by the character of God. His everlasting faithfulness to us as His people, to His covenant people Israel the prophet would declare, to His covenant people the church, the New Testament apostles would declare. It is that same faithfulness of God that guarantees His promises toward us. Why? The prophet tells us why. In chapter 62, he told us that that it is this Holy One of Israel, this Yahweh, this one true and living God, it is His delight for us. 
It is in that delight for us that He promises and He is faithful to His promises. And these promises, this offer is open to one and to all. It's for the sake of the whole world that Christ came. It is to redeem the nations of the earth that the Messiah was coming. You know what the prophet tells us one of these promises of God is to us? Yahweh promises to give you a new name. A new thing to be known by. A new image over your life. Not just a makeover, not just some fresh paint on the old barn, but a whole new name, a whole new reality, a whole new life. Think about this. How do people know of you? How do they think of you? How do you know yourself? How does the Lord know you? In that promise of a new name, there is an opportunity for us, an invitation to us to answer the question here and now. How will you be known? What will that name mean when others hear it going forward. You can resolve now. You can return to Christ now. You can nail down in your life now the resolve to be completely and totally His. He has a new name for you. And it's just for you. It is your opportunity. And in His faithfulness to us as His people, He invites us to recognize that He is in our midst, that He is doing a new thing, that He is bringing about new creation among us and in us. And He invites us to surrender ourselves completely to Him and to trust Him for what He is going to do in our lives through His grace. Surrender yourself to Him. Resolve here and now to be completely and utterly His. Resolve here and now to pursue Jesus without relent.
invite his heaven into your earth. Let's pray. Father, as we bow our hearts before you, we pray that you would meet with us. We pray that you, through your Holy Spirit, would move among us. Lord, we thank you for your promises to us. We thank you for how faithful you are to your promises. Of how you pursue us relentlessly. How you pursue us consistently. How you pursue us unwaveringly and unhesitatingly. Lord, you are so good and so faithful to us. And we pray that you would help us in these moments together as we sing and as we reflect and as we uh, respond to you, we pray that you would help us to respond with the totality of our lives. Help us to give ourselves completely to you. Help us to resolve here and now in this moment, on this day, as we look ahead to the year that is out before us, as we reflect back on the year that is behind us, as we think about how good you've been to us, as your people, Lord, help us to, to resolve this day and in this moment to be completely yours. To receive that new name that you've promised to us. And Lord, help us to build upon your faithfulness in our lives as we trust in your grace. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, you have been so good to us. You have been faithful. You have been true. You have been merciful. You have loved us perfectly and completely. You have pursued us relentlessly and tirelessly up to this point. Lord, we pray that you would help us to respond in faith and respond in faithfulness to you. We pray that you would help us as your people to give ourselves completely to you, to trust you in every part of our lives. Lord, you know all that we are going through. You know all of our struggles. You know all of our failures. You know all of our triumphs and all of the things that that we rejoice in and are thankful for. Lord, we bring all of that to you. We bring all of this year's baggage and triumphs and hurts and pains and moments of gladness. We bring all of that to you and we lay it at your feet. And Lord, we look to you as we think ahead to the year that is before us and we trust you, we trust you completely. We trust you 
entirely. And we pray that you would do great things in us, in our hearts, in our families, throughout our lives, in our church. That you would do great things in us and through us. That you would do great things among us as we gather as your people, as we serve you together as your people. As we try in some, in some finite way to live as light in this community. Lord, we pray that you would grow exponentially what we are able to do for others in your name. And so, Lord, we pray here and now that you would help us to resolve that we will pursue you completely and entirely and relentlessly. May your character be the greatest mark on our lives. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. In just a moment, our ushers are going to come forward to receive the the Lord's tithes and our offerings. Please make sure that you've got your communication card filled out. I want to know specifically how to be praying for you this week. uh, What's going on in life that I need to be lifting up to the Lord in prayer. As I do pray for you, um, I appreciate your, your willingness to share that, that with me through those communication cards. Um, don't forget, it's the end of the year, and, um, and so we, we can't do any, anything that we do as a church without your faithfulness and your generosity. And so as, uh, as the ushers come forward, uh, would you please get ready to give back to the Lord um, according to how he's blessed you richly. Please come. Father, we thank you for how faithful you are. You have been so good to us, and we thank you for um, how you've brought us to this moment. Lord, you know all of the prayer requests that are written upon the cards in these baskets. You know all of the, uh, the gifts of generosity and, and thankfulness that are in these baskets. And Lord, we pray that you would help us as your people that you would work in our lives and through our lives, that you would do great things through us as your people. We surrender all this to you, and we pray your blessings upon it. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Receive now the benediction. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent His Spirit, the Spirit of His Son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you, know, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Go in the blessing of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
trying to get somewhere quiet now. I'm going to be quick on this one. I'm going to try to get it all done in one. One and done. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please check out our website at faithmethodistchurch.org.